we are. All right, all right, what's going on? Good evening. Welcome to After Dark with Sean Cornelius. I am your host, the romantic funny man, Sean Cornelius. And oh, have I got a show for you this evening. Yes, I, I, I got this man. He's already on the screen. Usually I just have the guests, I pop them in. But listen, we just I wanted I just wanted to bring him in quickly. So he's gonna have to sit there doing my intro and my welcome, and he'll be okay. You know what I'm saying? I just want to say good evening to everyone who's watching either on BronxNet TV or uh Ro Television DH1 TV, and or if you're listening in as a podcast, I want to I appreciate you so much on uh, Spotify because we are all over the place, and I uh, thank you so much for supporting the show. So tonight's show is going to be another fun show um, because I got my brother. He's my comedy comrade and known him over 20 plus years, <clears throat> and uh, he's one of the original cats that. Uh, that I met when I first came back home in New York to do stand-up comedy. But before we get into that, I want to say what's up to my producer, Smoke, my right hand and my left hand, DDC, Denise DeGiorgio Cooney, back there handling business behind the, the, the backstage area. And uh, we're going to put them to work, make sure they do their thing so they're ready and uh, willing to do the work like they need to. Because when you're working for pennies, you got to <clears> do the work. You got to handle your business. So, yeah. That's a lot. We start off with pennies. <laughs> but it's been a wonderful day for me today. I enjoyed my day today. Um, the weather was nice. I took a nice little walk and uh, just enjoyed that. Got some air and uh, really just kind of relaxed. Did a few things to relax. Played my bass. You know, I, I'll tell you all about the bass every now and then. But um, <clears throat> just just uh, created some music. So, you know, I really enjoyed that today. That's one of my, my ways of totally mellowing out and relaxing. Actually, the song that I played today was We've Only Just Begun by the Carpenters. I know. Look at me. I know. Look at me. Yeah, I know some of y'all are like, mm-mm, not you. Yes, me. That's a beautiful song with great melody and harmonies were fantastic. Karen Carpenter's voice. Wow. God, continue. Rest in peace to her, man. Just awesome song. So anyway, I was looking forward to this show tonight, getting myself prepared because um, I talked to this brother uh, last month, and I was trying to schedule him to come in, and uh, his his schedule was so busy, he kind of blew me off and said, uh, <laughs> "No, nah, I did. We we had to get some things connected, but finally he's here tonight, and he's sitting there looking at all of you guys. See him, please welcome to the show, comedian Fig. What's going on, comedy Fig? How you doing, brother? What's happening, Sean C. Man, glad to be here, man. Glad to uh, finally get an opportunity to sit with the." Uh, the Barry White of comedy doing the uh, Sean Cornelius after dark. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I appreciate that. Anytime somebody connects you to somebody, somebody positive, Barry, I'll take it. I'll take Barry it. Very smooth, man. Very smooth. smooth. Anytime you put a record, you know it's a Barry White record, man. Can't, can't, can't deny that uh, once in a lifetime voice, man. Totally, totally, man. Well, listen, first of all, thank you for coming, coming on tonight uh being a guest because we've known each other for a long time yes sir man go back like pots and pans yes yes and you've been doing stand-up comedy one of the funniest guys and the nicest guys that i know 
Um, how long have you been doing stand-up? We're gonna start with the regular, the, the regular, regular. Appreciate yeah. it, man. Uh, you know what? Like a lot of people, man, know their anniversary, man. I started in the late '80s, um, the very late '80s, uh, towards the early '90s. I was like a new jack in the late '80s. Made my way to being a regular. Um, started out my uh, my comedy career. Believe it or not, I actually started in a um in a church, man. That's where my comedy really started. Wow. And then I made my way to the Uptown Comedy Club after that. And and, and after that, it, it, it was just history, man. I was like, oh my God, all these people, look at all these comedians. And they doing comedy? I was like, I, I didn't know it was that many comedians. Because, you know, <laughs> back then, you know, comedy was underground. All we knew was uh, Richard Pryor, Red Fox, and I think Eddie Murphy was on the scene at that point. I mean, you know, other than that, you ain't know too many comedians, man. Right, right. So you said late 80s. I started much later than I started in 95, 94, wow. 95 down in Charleston, but you started in the, the late 80s doing something, yep. right? So yep, you're now 80s. you're now where if you could put a year on it, where exactly are you? How many years? Uh 80, let's see. Uh now you now you got me doing math at, at <laughs> night. Uh let's see, 90, uh this would go from 90 to 20, that's 10. Man, 30 plus years, well, man. 30 plus years. 32, 33. It's crazy. Wow. It's crazy. I didn't even put a number on it like that, man. It shocked myself. Right. That's what I wanted. So, like, sometimes, you know, when you start doing this, I want to say what's up to Petrus Rodriguez, the names that I got in my head to say what's happening that have watched and graced the show. <clears throat> very, uh, very funny lady who kind of get her on here at one point. When you start out doing stand-up, you don't really like when I started. I didn't say I want to do it for 28, 29 years. So, no, did you sir. have a, did you say, I'm going to go past 30 or you just jumped in it. What really actually got you into stand-up? Man, the, the thing was, like I said, I was at this church, man, and um, somebody asked me to be a part of an uh, improv group where they would uh, pull you out of the audience uh, on, on a Sunday morning, take you in, in a back room and give you like this scenario and just have you kind of like improv whatever was going on. And my stuff just kept coming out funny. Um Man, I would have the, the congregation in tears, like like crying, cracking up. They was like, oh, man, I heard so many times, oh, you should have been a comedian, you should have been a comedian. I was just like, you know what? Let me give it a shot. And right. I, I just, you know, I just gave it a shot. One thing led to another. Um, I did this show, and uh, I met this guy named JR. Okay. He was the talent coordinator um, he, and, and the booking agent for the Uptown Comedy Club. He was like, yo, man, he said, you you really talented. You you got something. He said, I can see, you know, you kind of raw. But uh, if you come to the Uptown, we got some people and some other comedians just like you. And we can really, you know, I think you can hone your skills. And I, I just took a ride, man. I'm, I'm from Brooklyn. You know, the Uptown was in Harlem, 125th and 5th International Black Theater. Yep, I yep. made my way up there, man. And direct, like I say, you know, the rest is history. Yeah, that's why I was saying when I say originals, because like I said, when I came back home in 97 to start my New York career, um, ran into a lot of you guys. Like I've had Rob Stapleton on Talent, Rudy yes, Rush, sir. Will Sylvans, you know, uh, Capone, Drew Frazier, you know, yeah. all of those cats. You were down in that that group of, of people, man. And <clears throat> you were even because I just actually, honestly, I wasn't looking for it, but I think it was on Facebook. I don't know if you did it. But Facebook, uh, you were on the MTV. You guys were doing some, oh, yeah. some you and Artie, 
doing some skits, some sketches. Yeah, man, man that was a that was an MTV. It was called uh, Your Mother's Television, and uh, that was a campaign uh, to stop the violence. So we was like, uh, use um, your wits, your brains instead of your fits. And right, uh, right, MTV right. picked that up. We did like five little sketches. You know what I mean? That that came out. Uh, you know, they were really good, man. I mean, it was uh, like you said, it was Artie Fuqua, um, it was uh, Maceo, uh, Brooklyn Mike, mm-hmm. Mike Epps. You know what I mean? It, that, yeah. that, and Mugga, Mugga was yes. there. Uh, yes. And it was another comedian. I don't know if you're familiar, Rhonda Fowler. Really, really yeah. funny comedians. We were we were young in the game, really new, but we 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 had talent. And and uh, you know, Monteria Ivy. Yes. Yes. You know what I mean? That was the host of the Uptown Comedy Club. Mm-hmm. He selected us out, out of the group, you know, a group of young comedians. And we we went out there and did our thing, man. Uh Mike, Mike was brand new, you know, mm-hmm. back then. He was a young comic too, Mike Epps. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it was just, yo, man, MTV loved us. Yeah. And you were you guys, yeah, you were doing it. it, it and that's that's such what's so great about it to see where we are now. You know, you mentioned a lot of people who are still in the game doing Absolutely. it to this day. All um, of them. Everybody you said was still and this was shot to superstardom with the Mike Epps, obviously. Um, Brooklyn Mike actually went to college. We went to college together, we went to Shaw University together. Yes, He's sir. Now international. Mooga is a as a very funny, talented lady, not just comedian, she's an actress. Yes, and sir. Been in some yep. really heavy duty uh films. She was on power. Uh, I can say one of yeah. them, you know. <clears throat> so she's doing her thing. Um, already everybody's just doing their thing, man. Um, so that's great. Now, you obviously, again, in the beginning of this whole new wave, uh, in the 80s, because that here comes Def Comedy Jam and all that stuff going on, and um, being a part of that crew of comedians. Um, when you started seeing things like that happening because when you're young you look at it like oh i'm gonna be on tv you know it's not really about the craft it's about tv the chicks or for the mm-hmm. female the guys the money you know <laughs> when did that attitude change for you man when you're like wait a minute you know <laughs> what man I, I a lot of people when they start comedy man they have a, like a plan i didn't have a plan man i just wanted to make people laugh and it was fun to me and when i realized that you can make a couple of dollars in doing this too I was like, really? You you make money doing this? I had no idea that it could actually turn into a business. So I was doing my thing, man. It um uh when I went on TV, I, I never knew how much it paid. You know what I mean? That, that was never my thing. I just wanted to get on. I wanted to be a part of the group. That was the one thing when I went to Uptown, it was just like it was it was pitches like a family type atmosphere. All the comedians, we went to the workshop, we helped each other write, we helped right. each other get funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, it, it was just fun to me. Um, we was going on tour. We was doing colleges. We was doing TV. I mean, I did. Uh, I think the first show that I did was Uptown. That was actually my first TV appearance was on the Uptown Comedy Club okay. TV show. Okay. That was my, my first stand up appearance. Then after that, I think I did. Um, I did like the Apollo, Apollo Comedy Hour twice. Um. And then I got that call to do Def Jam. I believe I, I believe I got to do Def Jam maybe 93, 94, because that was the first year that Def Jam went out to uh, Los Angeles. And okay. that's where I take my right. first set. I really wanted to do it at home. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I didn't get the opportunity, you know what I mean, to do it at home. But uh, the first season in L.A., I got the call from Bob Sumner. 
and uh, they stamped my ticket, which was nice too, man. Cause uh, you know they flew us out to LA, mm -hmm. put us up in a first class hotel. You know it was just the, the whole experience. You know we we riding in a limo. You know when you get off the plane, you got the people there standing with your name. <laughs> on them. And I was like, yo, this. It was just incredible, man. It was an incredible experience for a young comedian. You know, just starting out in the game. Right, right. No, that's cool. Yeah, I'm definitely been in it long enough. My first TV gig was was BET's Comic View. Yes, sir. 1998, 99. So I, I get it. I understand it. By that time, there were some things going on. But the whole experience, because I was working for Delta. I was working for the airline. Wow. When I, when I got that opportunity, man. But the opportunity was great because I got the free flight out there. But it was great to get there, like you said, and have the dude holding up the sign, then put you, whisk you away in the limo or the limo bus. And then we in a hotel with a bunch of other cats from all over the country. Yeah, yes. First taste of television and you're standing in the studio and the energy is great. And then the reality hits. This can be a job. Absolutely. This, it can this be a career. Be a job. It's a career. And there's sometimes, like for me, the, the, the job part was the business, but also the traveling. Because being on stage is the easy part. Yeah, it is. That's the fact, traveling is the hard part of the game. A, a lot of people uh, don't realize that, you know, getting to the venue is the toughest part of the gig. You know, getting to the venue, you know, you, you got to get from where you live to the airport, from the airport. You, you, you know, you're jumping on the plane, then you got to get from from where you land, from from that airport to the hotel. You know what I mean? Get yourself together. Then you try and make it, you know, to the venue and, and the venue, like you said, is is the easy part because. That's what we love to do. That's what we gifted to do, talented enough to do and talented enough for somebody to want to hire us to be able to do that in another state. It's just yeah. a blessing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you also uh, you were first of all, before I ask that question, where will you categorize your stand up as? You know, there's different categories of stand up. Where would you put yourself at before I ask this next question? What kind when you say categories? What, what type? Well, you know, there's storytellers, there's physical comics. There's uh, storytellers. You know what? Um, I evolved over the years, you know, when I first started, I was just a joke teller. Um, now, um, I guess I'm still telling jokes in a certain way, but uh, what, I, what I've done now, as I've gotten older, I've incorporated um, some of my experience, some of my real life experience into my comedy that is um, what I would consider exclusive to me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And my experiences and the stuff that happens to me or happened to me and um, it, it, I really talk about me, you know, aging, you know, in the game. You know what I mean? I'm an older, older man, older comedian. And uh, I talk about uh, some, some of the things that happen to you as you age as a comedian. This is something that I could have never done when I first started. So uh, it, it's just it, it, I think all good comedians, they evolve. You know sure. what I mean? You, you start sure. in, the, in the late early late 80s early 90s and you get to 2021 if you're still doing the same stuff something's terribly wrong right you've not grown as a person not at all and, and have no life experience and believe it or not the more you travel and the mm -hmm. more experience you have the more your comedy gets to broaden because you get to talk about other things you know a lot of times we were pigeonholed in new york city a lot of us we talked about uh you know a lot of our jokes were stuff that happened on the subway Mm -hmm. And a lot of stuff that happened on a bus. And then you go to another state and they don't have a subway. Right. So your subway joke is not going to work. Right. You know what I mean? So it is you grow and, and you evolve. You know what I mean? And you get better. 
and, and you know how to relate to an audience, your stage presence, it, you, you know, it, it's just different. Yeah, because it forces you to, man. Life Absolutely. forces you to change your perspective on your jokes. And that's what I was saying, because, you know, some people with me, when I first started, I was just because I come from the acting thing. You know, I come from right. theater and all, but I have experiences. But then I started incorporating my musical stuff. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. So that's what I mean. You, that's one thing which is great about being a comic or or being that kind of on that put that performer, because yeah, you're not you can't be talking about the things you talked about twenty years ago. Not at all, and that makes you, you exclusive. Should. The yeah. fact that you, the fact that you can sing, the fact that you can play an instrument, you know what I mean. Uh, that that just gives you different places to go when you're on stage. It's places to go where other comedians couldn't even possibly get to. You know what I mean? Because that's another part, you know, another part of you that you share with the audience. Right. But it, and also to add to that, Big, because here's a, uh, you have comics who are clean and comics who are quote unquote dirty. Then you have right. those clean comics who can't be dirty and those dirty comics who can't be clean. Oh, you know, boy. which is you really hard. <laughs> Because you do you do it all because you yeah. did, you've done church and you still do church. See, but that that's the see now that's the funny part. You know when you asked me to, where I really started my comedy, I started in church. Right, you said that. So yeah. in order for me to go back there is it's like second nature for me. That's where I started. You know what I mean. So in order for me to go clean, it it is it doesn't mean anything. You know what I mean. It, it's like easy for me. It's not I'm not pigeonholed just to do all, you know, blue or what they would call dirty jokes or whatever, right. or nightclub jokes. I, I, I could be clean too, you know what I mean? And here's the thing. We were taught that, listen, you can't do television if you can't do clean. Right. Because before Def Jam, there, there, was, there was shows like the Uptown, it was the Apollo, it was the Apollo Comedy Hour. And in order to do those shows, you had to do them clean. You couldn't do dirty jokes. You couldn't do... You know, you couldn't be blue on, on those shows. Right. You know what I mean? So so then when Def Jam came, it kind of opened the door for for comics to let loose and, and to let the Richard Pryor that they had been listening to when they was kids, you know, sneaking in when their mother was listening to the Richard Pryor albums and they was hiding behind the door, you know, listening to Richard Pryor. It let, it let them have an opportunity. It was a, a, a venue for them to let that out. Right. You know what I mean? The raw side of them. And then I think BET... Let you be a little raw, not as raw as Def Jam, but they let right. they let you uh, stretch the envelope. You know what I mean, just just a little bit. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So before that, like I said, when you was doing television, you had to be absolutely clean. You could not go on Uptown and curse. There were certain words you couldn't use. You man, let me tell you this: when I did my first uh, stand-up comedy, I couldn't even say pissed off on stage. Mm -hmm. You couldn't mm -hmm. say pissed off on TV because they would right. bleep that out. Right. You know what I mean? So uh, when, when you have those kind of things uh, in front of you or those kind of mountains to climb, then you have to learn how to adapt, you know, and you have to learn how to be clean. A lot of comics to this day, veterans still can't work clean. And they'll yeah. tell you, they say, listen, they just say, I don't want to because I don't, I don't want nobody, you know, I, I don't want nobody holding me back. You know what I mean? I, I just want to be free or whatever. I'm like, listen, to each his own. Yeah. Well, see, and again, like, so a lot of them use that excuse. I don't mm -hmm. want nobody telling me what to do, what to say, how to say it on stage, but they really can't do it. They can't be clean. And right. some clean comics, I have a difficulty going into nightclubs right. that are kind of rough 
and right. like being able to adjust to that atmosphere, like clubs that are off the side of the road down south, or not even that far, Brooklyn footprints can't yes, go in and defend yourself. There are certain clubs that we could talk about. What was one of the roughest clubs that you had? Oh had my a hard god, time man! Listen, doing, doing it. I, 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 there was so many. There, there was a, a, there was a club in the Bronx called the Moon. Oh my god! <laughs> one of the worst clubs ever that that you want to perform if you're not funny, right? Right. You know what I mean? If you can't, if you can't be funny, if you can't make them laugh, one of the worst clubs to be. Uh, there was the Peppermint in, in New Jersey. That that was the um, yep. th that was the 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 place where all of the Def Jam comedians had to audition. These were comedians that came from out of town, but they, you know, you auditioned, but you had to pass. Even if you passed your audition in your hometown, when you came here to the New York City area. You had to go to the Peppermint Lounge and pass it to Peppermint Lounge because if you couldn't get by that audience, then you couldn't do Def Jam. Right. But but funny enough, the Peppermint Lounge was a club that New York comedians worked on a regular. Right. So right. we were used to that rough audience. The Uptown yeah. Comedy Club, it was a rough audience. Let me. Some of the audience members were funnier than some of the comedians that was trying to get on stage. Right. So you had professional hecklers in the audience that would <laughs> that would that would heckle you. Um. <laughs> I'll tell you this. This is here's a nugget. One of the hottest comedians in the country right now, Kevin Hart. He had one of the worst rooms on the planet out in New Jersey. New Jersey at the, at, New the Jersey, end of, at the end of the boardwalk. Called Sweet Cheeks. <laughs> yes, I did the room. <laughs> that was Kevin Hart's room. Yep. One of the worst rooms in the country. Yep. I was there with a, with another comedian, uh, Cool Herm. Yep. We went to perform. And in the middle, before we got a chance to go on stage, a brawl, a yeah. full-out club brawl broke out. And they were fighting and throwing chairs and everything like that. Me and uh, Herm was standing on the side looking like, yo, this is crazy. They were like, uh-oh, well, I like, we done took this ride for nothing because I know they're going to cancel this show. Yeah. They threw the fighting parties out of the club, set the chairs and tables back up, let the people sit down again <laughs> and did the show. Yeah, yeah. Right after brawl, this is like a few. This is not an hour later. This is a few minutes later. Right after it was over. When I when I went to do it, right, and we were walking down the boardwalk. I'm like, oh, it's gonna be cool. It's Atlantic City. It ain't no big deal. We walking. We walking. We still walking. We walk get to the end <laughs> of the boardwalk, walk down the hill into the neighborhood. I'm like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. and it, it looked like it was right in the middle of these houses. Yes, and sir. I, and and it, you remember the Blues Brothers where they had that chicken wire and stuff in there? I don't know if that chicken wire is up when you it was there. there. But it was you walk through the entrance and there's chicken wire. Uh, man, let me tell you, made it through the show. The show was fine. But just the look of it walking in there, we played... We played some places, and we're just talking New York, New Jersey. Yes, we ain't sir. talking about down south off the side oh. of the road where the concrete go turn to dirt. Listen, don't let me tell you about Club 559. I've been there. That's Bruce Atlanta, Bruce over. Oh yeah. Where they Bruce had guns. Bruce. Bruce Bruce was the host of that club. One of the worst clubs in the country. You did not want to go to 559. I'm telling you, I was on, I was on tour. I was opening for uh, what I call the legendary, the great comedian Hamburger. <laughs> okay. We was on, we, we did the, uh, I believe it was the creative tour. It yes, was run yes. by Nate Smith. Yep, Nate Smith now, out Nate of Charlotte. Smith, yep. The funny thing now, Nate Smith is the road manager for Kevin Hart Kevin right Hart. now. Kevin Hart, yep. 
So Nate Smith used to run the creative tour. We was on the road for two weeks. Me and Hamburg, I'm doing 30 minutes. Hamburg is doing 45. We crush it all across the country. Yep. We get to Club 559. I get ready to go on stage. Bruce, Bruce, he looked, he had me the mic. He, he whispered in my ear, just, just give him whatever you, just, you know, whatever you can do. <laughs> I was like, what? Wait, <laughs> you know, I'm going to tell you because that's the truth. Me and Rudy Rush were on the credit tour, booked at that same club. Rudy was headlining. And right before I went on, Bruce said, hey, man, just give him a, just give him a hot two minutes. I said, two minutes? Yeah. Give him a hot two minutes, and that's it. And I listen to him because you look around the club, you got these guys with these guns and their vests on and all these kind of things when we were there. And he told Rudy to do about seven. Rudy was the headliner. Yeah. And he said, I don't I'm need you to do I don't need you to do crazy no. because do seven. Before you get there, I'm doing 30. Hamburger doing 45. Yep. You get to this club, the whole show is like 10 minutes. 10 minutes long. <laughs> he was like, yo, just give me. You just give me whatever you can. And there was a reason for that. Because if you went too long, it was, it was, it was again, it was peppermint comparable, but it was worse. It was in the South. You know how them Southern cats are? Yeah, and man. You didn't stick to that time. Bruce did all the time he needed. You do your two minutes and get out of there, pick up your money and, and be gone. But it was paid very well. Paid, yeah, paid well that for that. Of the whole creative tour, you might have got, I think that place paid the most money off the whole tour. Mm -hmm. But it was packed. It was always packed. It was. You packed. couldn't even get through there. It was packed. Sweet room if you're from there. Be Sweet listen. room if you're from there and funny. But Bruce, Man. Said, he said two minutes. Do you know how happy I was? Because we walked through that place and we sat down for a while watching everybody come in. He said, "Listen, two minutes." I said, we, two? "When I was there, they booed everybody. They booed everybody that hit the stage. They yeah. booed everybody. All the young comedians." They booed everybody. Me and Hamburger. <laughs> me and Hamburger looking at each other like, what in the world? Man, I'd never seen so man. Yeah. I get it, brother. And hustlers. Yep. I mean, it was it was everybody. And I was like, where are we? Dude, I get it. I get it. It was so, crazy. Well, that's those that are some of the good and, and uh trying times in comedy. Um, so really quickly, man, uh like in a minute, tell folk, give give cats cats advice that might be listening or watching the show that might want to do this today. Like, give them some serious advice. Wow. Um my advice to uh to anybody that wants to do comedy is first, you got you gotta get into it for the right reason. You gotta love it because uh it's not easy. And if you get into it for the wrong reason, you, you, you're not going to stay. You're not going to be good. If you really want to do this, I say do it. Be yourself. Um, don't try and um, don't try and be nobody else. Don't try and mimic nobody. Be yourself. Do talk about the stuff that's important to you. You know what I mean? Nobody could be nobody could be a better you than you. So if you be yourself, you, you'll be all right. You know what I mean? You'll be able to make a, a you know, a, a, a lane. You'll be able to cut out a niche for yourself just doing you. You know yeah. what I mean? And, yeah. and just get it. Don't look for the money. Just yeah. get into it. Look for the funny. Get into it and try and learn to be funny. As soon as you as soon as you start to be funny, the money will follow. Right. Right. Exactly. Hey, man, usually I take a break at a half hour in, but, you know, it's cool to be able to do your own show so you don't have to worry about and listen to nobody. <laughs> so I want to ask one more question before we actually do take a break and I'll put you on the other side. Snaps. Yeah. Snaps. You were on the cover 
Yeah, man. One uh, of the snaps books. You, on the uh, snap book. Um, yeah, talk about that for about a minute. Oh, man, that was dope, man. Uh, snaps. Snaps was something that came that, that actually, uh, you know, snaps is like the dozens. You know, we started out as kids, uh, you know, playing in, uh, playing uh, outside, talking about your mama this, your father that, you so ugly, this, that. And uh, mm-hmm. in school, the schoolyard. And we brought it to the stage. As a matter of fact, we're talking about the uptown. Before you could uh, before you could perform, you had to be able to snap because the audience is going to attack you first. And if you couldn't handle your own, they wouldn't let you perform. But after that, man, it, it sort of branched off into a uh, from the Uptown Comedy Club TV show. It branched off into an HBO special. Yes. And we did the HBO special. We did two specials. Uh, Ricky Smiley. Uh, Monique, Monique yeah. Talent, Tracy Morgan. Tracy Morgan yep. Oh man, it, it was just it, it, it was dope, man. We did that. Um, you know, Monteria Ivy was uh Monteria Ivy and Stefan Dweck. They were um the authors of the book and and um they came to comedians and asked us to write, you know what I mean, snaps to add to the book and stuff like that. And next to the book, you know, some of the snaps that you wrote, you got credit, you know, you put your name down. Um, from there, we did the MTV stuff that you saw that we talked about earlier in the show. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, we did those. Uh, uh, Talent and myself, we were on the cover of um, of uh, one of the books. Yeah. And we also did an album that was put out by Atlantic Records mm. called Snaps. And me and Talent, uh, the only two comedians from New York, that they, they flew us out to Los Angeles and we had to battle all of the comedians in Los Angeles. Man, on that on that album, man, it's some of everybody. Anybody from Coolio, Carlos Mencia, uh, Biz Markey, um, Lords of the Underground were there. I mean, it was just so many. It was rappers uh, and comedians. Um, God bless the, the late, great uh, Ricky Harris. Um, yeah, right, yep. Mm-hmm. You know, he was, he was on the album, uh, Freeze Love. Man, Carlos Mencia, I think I mentioned. Um, man, just so many, so many uh, dope comedians, man, from L.A., New York. Um, we just did the thing, man. It, it, it was hot. It was super funny. Talent, Tracy Morgan, Rob, A.G., Mugga. I mm-hmm. mean, everybody was on that album, man. It was just so funny. And even know. to mention that, they did a new version not too long ago on MTV called Your Mama. Yeah, they they they, 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 well, they took they took from they the original to idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's we basically for the younger generation if they don't know what you're talking about. Basically, Absolutely. that's what it that's what it is. They just took it to TV on their level of this generation and did Absolutely. the other so, yeah. right. And they got another one called like they got like roasting, wilding out is another version. Yeah, of some it. other version add stuff you know to what it. I mean? right. Because um, you know, a lot of people don't realize Nick Cannon mm-hmm. was a he's a student of comedy and. and he he remembered you know snaps and stuff like that and, mm-hmm. and he took it he put his own spin to it and it's a phenomenon it's hot yeah I, yeah. I, I applaud him you know what I mean I sure. applaud somebody that can take something put their own spin to it and make it their make own it. man and, and it's, it's hugely successful colossal yeah again good big ups to those cats so listen man uh, want to take a break really quick. I'm going to take a break really quick. This, okay. this first half hour was flown by. And I want to notice, I want people to notice something. You're looking at two OGs 
This is what they call us, right? But I yes, want sir. you to notice the hair on both of the OGs. Yes. Look at look at the cuteness on the hair. <laughs> <laughs> and this is just me. I'm I'm being very humble, but I'm looking at your hair back there. And I'm looking at my hair back there. You can still hold on to whatever you need to hold on when you get older. We oh, holding yes, on. You can. Yes, you can. If you got the right jeans, it's sweet. You got the right jeans. You know, back in the day, I wore Jordan. You know what I mean? I had to look. Me too, man. I, it was crazy. I won't put them on today, even if they go no, to back. No, sir. No, but, sir. Uh, we, yeah, we won't have that situation going on. But hey, man, this is fun. Thank you again for being here. I'm gonna take a short break. We're gonna come back and we are gonna put you in the in the love zone, brother. Uh oh. We're going to, yeah, we're going to put you in the love zone. Let me turn so you, down the lights. Yeah, don't, don't turn them down too low. Now. But, but are you going to, you'll stick around and hang out with me? Absolutely, man. All right, man. Thank you so much. You guys, uh, thank you. We'll go take a short break. Come back with more Comedy Fig on After Dark with Sean Cornelius. Hang out. Hey, yo, what's up? This is the KID, the Kid Capri, man. And we all need to do our part and stopping these unnecessary killings. So I'm sending love and support to a good guy, man, Sean Cornelius, and his Enough is Enough movement. Keep raising your voice, and uh, you know, be safe, and send me my T-shirt, man. Uh, you're doing great out there, man. I'm real proud of you. Serious Sex and Fly is the station, KID. Remember, check me out, all right? Black Party. Hey, this is Anita Marie Sparrow, and you're watching After Dark with Sean Cornelius. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to more After Dark with Sean Kinnears, my special guest, Comedy Fig, my brother, my friend, and uh, we are having a good time. Fig, you're not only a comedian, brother. I heard you have some magic in your bones. I heard you got some energy in your bones. Yeah, somebody told me, so I want to put that to the test and see how talented you, talented you are. By just say abracadabra. Let me see how talented you are. Just say abracadabra. Abracadabra. Oh, snap. Uh-oh. In the love zone, baby. Look at what you did. <laughs> yeah, we, it's time now to put you on the love seat, my man, and have some fun with love, romance. Love zone. There you go. There you go. See, look at the voice. That, your inner barrier is coming out, man. So let's have a good time, man, and find out your opinions on some things. You ready? Yes, sir. All right. First question I always ask everybody to find out where they are. What is your definition of love, and why is it important to you? Oh man, love, man, uh, man, love, love is emotion that can't be denied, and it lasts a lifetime. Some people confuse uh, love with infatuation, and um, you know, uh, just being attracted to someone. But love is something that is stand the test of time, and it's unconditional, and uh, you know, it, it has many different versions. You know, you 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 can have different kinds of love. There's love that you have between uh, a man and a woman. You know, the love that you have for a child, the love that you have for a sibling, the love that you have for par parents and, and and family members, and then the love that you have for your friends. You know what I mean? Um, like somebody that you call your brother, say, "Yo, man, I love my brother." You know what I mean? That's my dude. You know what I mean? And I love that dude, man. You know, from the heart. So, you know, love, love has uh, a lot of different meanings. 
and and could be you know explained a lot of different ways okay and why is that important to you why is it important to me man because uh I, I, to be honest with you i believe that you can't it, it is difficult to live without love i mean humans need love and affection in order to thrive i think some years i'm going off on it on a little bit of attention but i think some years ago they they did a, a test on um children um some children got love and some children didn't and they it, it seems kind of weird that they would do that but the children that got love uh thrived better than the children that didn't you know what i mean so it, it's something that that they found out that human beings need we need love and affection and we need that connection all right okay cool cool what's your definition of romance and why is that important to you oh romance well uh <laughs> now when i think of romance you know i think about myself and a woman man so romance is uh when you have an 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 emotional connection to to someone you know what i mean uh um romance could, could take on many versions you know you get you could be romantic uh taking a woman out or you would be romantic buying gifts or you could flip it and be romantic in your house man you know what i mean with just you and your woman your lady or whatever just sitting back on the couch and just watching a movie you know what i mean what, what some women call romance is uh you know when a man takes on uh you know some household chores they they find some women find that to be romantic you know like you know she she may have made a nice dinner and you like baby you know won't you sit and, and put your feet up and, and let me clean the kitchen for you let me knock these dishes out and stuff like some women find that romantic so uh, again like love romance could, could have many different uh you know many different versions right one of the one of the most romantic things that i find that women like they like gifts or like flowers at work yeah yeah that works i've heard about that don't you be telling a whole bunch of secrets brother i heard about that one myself yes sir <laughs> yeah that's good have you ever not no i'm gonna ask that after inside this question okay on a scale of one to ten where would you put yourself as romantic oh man uh i'm i believe that i'm at a 10 and i'm gonna tell you why man i've been I'm, i've been married for uh let me see we in 2021 this year will make 20 years uh we've been together for 25 20 going on 26 years and every day um i'm uh showing romance and and love to my wife every day i send her text messages you know what i mean i do little things i cook i clean you know what I mean? I, I help out around the house. I do everything that I can. Sometimes I drive her to work. My wife uh, will tell you right now, I don't even hardly let her put gas in her own car. Like I'll, I'll make her come home, take her car, fill it up with gas. You know what I mean? So she don't have to be out there. I make you know, take care of some of the, some of the things that, you know, that you see women do and you're like, hey man, why, why would you let your woman do that? You right, know what I mean? Right. So those are the things that, you know, that, that I do, you know what I mean? To make sure that, that romance and, and, and stuff like that stays in my relationship. 
Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Give us an example, but you gave me several. But I was going to ask you since you brought up the flower thing, which I'm I already know. I'm not a psychic. Have you ever sent your woman flowers to work? Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, you got to I, do that, man. Yeah, I knew that sometime was happening. I go out, sometime I go out and buy them and, and put them on the table, you know what I mean, for when she comes home and, and the first thing she see, you know what I mean, or sometime, you know, uh, depending, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up, want to be ready to get your flowers, <laughs> you know what I mean? Wait, wait Fig. Let me, let me give you your close-up. And you tell the fellas again, please, so we don't have no issues. Hold on. I'm going to do your close-up. <laughs> tell them again now about that. Fellas, let me tell you something. Valentine's Day is coming up. It comes the same time every year. It's February 14th. Every year. It's just like Christmas. Christmas is December 25th. Valentine's Day is February the 14th. There's no reason for you to miss that. You got to be ready. Get your flowers. Get your candy. Get your little gifts. You know what I mean? I want, this show is a helpful show. Oh, I, want this, I want this show to be a helpful show. There's somebody <laughs> on there that can help. You heard Fig tell you the same day every year. Christmas every Valentine's year. Day. All right, good. Now, give me three things that turn you on about a woman or specifically, you, you know, your wife. And congratulations on the 20, 20, 20 years, 20 years. Thank uh, you, man. Three things that turn you on about a woman. Oh, my God, man. Uh, you know what's – I'm going to tell you something all off the cuff. A lot of guys, you know um, – a lot of guys uh, tell you about body parts and stuff like that, which is which is good. You know what I mean? That's that's, that's important. That's important. I would, I would say so. Yeah, I would you know, say I'm so. A, I'm a, uh, I'm I'm a, uh, I'm a butt man. I'm a butt man. I like my I like butt. Like you know, it turns me on. But what's really uh, exciting or or turns me on about my wife is the fact that uh, she's nice. When a woman is nice, I don't care how fine you are. If you're mean or, or mean spirited or just nasty or argumentative and stuff like that, then uh, as as a complete turn off to me, like 100 percent turn off. So uh, I like a woman that's nice, that's pleasant. You know what I mean? Um, and a woman that's attentive, that, uh, that 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 can read your your needs or your emotions and stuff like that. And, then, mm -hmm. and that's attentive. That's that's real attractive to me. Um, but like I said, you know, I, I, I like a woman that's, that's shapely too, you yeah. know what I mean? Got, got stuff in the, in, in the right place. You know, uh, what's really sexy is a woman in heels. I hate flat shoes, man. I mm. love heels. Okay. You put, you put a woman in heels. <laughs> I don't care, man. Let me tell you something, man. You take a regular woman and put her in heels and she becomes Thank extraordinary. You. Something about heels turn a regular woman into superhero. There it's like go. Superman. It's like Clark can't take it off his glasses in that suit, <laughs> and he becomes Superman. Something about a woman that put on a pair of heels, she becomes Superwoman. All oh, them calves <laughs> pop out there. That's it, ain't it. Everybody got calves, so all right. You got <laughs> butt, nice, attentive, and 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 they walk yeah. different. Let yeah. me tell you something. Oh, yeah. You put a woman in a, a pair of flat shoes, she walks one way. You take that exact same woman and put her in a pair of heels. That walk is totally different. Okay, well, nine times out of ten, she's trying to stand up. She's trying to stay up. <laughs> that tenth thing is that sexy, pretty, different thing. Nine times out of ten, she'll tell you know how when you used to walk in your shoes and they'd be tight, and you'd be like, yo, he walks so sexy. Yo, my, my feet hurt. But that, <laughs> that one time. My feet hurt bad. Bad. So you look good, though, man. You should wear them shoes all the time, girl. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. my feet off. Give me, give me, give me three turnoffs. You gave me one, but give me two more turnoffs. Women, things that turn you off about a woman. Man, listen, any woman, I don't care who she is, 
you argue with me in the street or, or we have like a disagreement in the street, you loud talking me in the street, turn off. I'm done. As soon as I get you home, we, we the relationship is over. <laughs> now, this is just me. I, I don't mean to offend nobody. I, I, I hate smoking, man. I, I can't, I can't, I can't go out. I can't date right. a woman that smokes. That's, that's a completely, that's completely turned off for me, man. I don't care what it is. You smoking, I'm done. And last but not least, I mean, a woman that drinks is okay, but a woman that gets like drunk, I, I can't take a drunk woman, man. Yeah. Something I can't take, I can't take a drunk woman. I mean, you know, you sipping a little wine, you sip your beer, or even a hard drink. But a woman is just like like sloppy drunk or something. Yeah. B, that's a turn off. Man. I just had this conversation with one of my friends I've known for over 25 years. And that was one of the things when we were early, you know, just kicking it. I just don't appreciate that. You know, you can have your drink at home and do whatever and get a little. But when you're out in public and you get sloppy, that is really unattractive. You know, staggering. I yeah. Staggering is, is, is so unattractive. It's so unattractive for women to get so tipsy, you know. They staggering their clothes is all disheveled. You know what I mean? She walking freezing cold outside, barefoot. I'm mm, like, man, yeah, yeah. I can't. I, yeah. I can't. All right. That's cool, man. So let's jump back to some beautiful things. What's the five most beautiful things to comedy fig in the world? The five most beautiful things in the world to you? Oh, man. Dude. You know this is going to... I don't want to be sappy, man, but uh, no, hold on. Let me let me just say something, man. I want you to be as transparent and honest. This is okay. that platform. This is a judgment free platform. I don't know about that other place, but we <laughs> we we don't, man. And look who you're in the love zone. Look at the top of the screen. Yes, sir. The love you can zone. say whatever you want to say, brother. It'll be all uh, good. Well, five. Well, first off, you know my wife. Uh, that's that's my best friend. That's my partner in life. Uh, ride or die. Um. My children, man, my my extended family. I, I love family. You know what I mean. I'm a family dude. Uh, extended family. My in laws. I know that's that's crazy. Uh, my 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 uh, my in laws. My sister. My brother in law. My mother in law. Uh, I'm just like a family dude. Uh, and I love my people. You know what I mean. Like black people. I'm mm -hmm. I'm all down for for our people, man. Like 100 percent. Like um it, it just it's just crazy you know it i don't even have to know you you know you black i'm i'm down for you you know what i mean yeah. you do you yeah. you're doing something positive i'm down um uh family uh i love food a, okay. a good a good a good meal i love a good meal you know it don't have to be nothing special you know we like we like our uh a stereotypical uh, uh <laughs> hey hold it don't say it don't name a food cuz we going to get to that we're, okay. we're gonna, we're gonna right. visit, we're gonna right. visit right. that because I know somebody else that's watching this show that loves food too. The minute you start talking about food, she goes crazy. I don't need to call her <laughs> name because she knows who she is. But anyway. oh, and, and last but not least, you know what I love, I, I, and and I'm trying to break the habit as we speak. I I got a sweet tooth, man. As a matter oh. of fact, I think all of my teeth are sweet teeth. It's not just one; it's all all thirty two of them are sweet teeth. I got something, to, man. I'm I'm. I'm 100% addicted to sweets. Chocolate. Chocolate. Chocolate okay. mainly. 
Oh, words, man. I don't care what it is, chocolate milk, chocolate donuts, chocolate cookie, chocolate. You, if you can put chocolate on, pause. Um, <laughs> yeah, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> I appreciate that. You got your own button, your own sensor button. Thank you so much. <laughs> so you guys just got to figure that out. Don't even worry about it. Okay, cool. All right. Let's, let's make you think a little bit for a second. Uh, we know that uh, romance is what we're talking about, love and romance. Right. We know that respect, honesty, and trust are very important in the foundation of a relationship with dealing with love and romance. For this show, for right now, for this purpose only, you get a chance to take one of those out of your relationship and still have a surviving relationship. Which one are you going to take out, bro? Respect, honesty. And trust. And trust. Yeah. And you got to take one of those out? You got you to take one out. You got to take one out. Which one are you going to let go of? Ah, that's tough, man. I don't respect, respect, honesty, and trust. Mm. <laughs> honesty, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, that's real. That's big. I mean, because you know what? If you're not honest, you lose trust. And if you lose the trust, you also lose the respect. So I don't know how you can separate. You know what I mean? It seems like they all tied into one. Hmm. Respect, you know what I mean? If you respect this person, you be honest with them. You know what I mean? And, it, yeah. and, be, and because you're honest, you build trust. One yes. one piece that you left out that's very important that a lot of people don't realize is communication. Hey, communication man. is so, so, so important. And how you communicate is very important. You know what I mean? So look. Hey, wait, wait, wait man. Stop trying to flip my show around and change I'm my sorry. question, I'm please. <laughs> I just look at it. I saw it in your eyes when you said, hey, you know what? Because your mind is thinking, like, wait a minute, Sean. But it's just that's why I don't want to make the question any harder. This just it's the three. But you're you're right. You're right. Communication and all that is important. But I just yeah, just for the just for the show purposes. Respect, okay. Okay. Honesty and trust. But <laughs> I like a thinking person. That's cool. Look, because you're not the first person that's been on the show with this question to go. Ooh, wait a minute. Yeah, oh. man, that's a tough one. I, I I'm not I'm not even sure that you. To be quite honest, I'm not sure that you can separate them, man, because it, it seems to me that they, they're, they're so intertwined and connected that it's hard to pull one out and still be left with the other two. Ah, uh, you got to. For this show, you have to. You have to take one out. Uh, respect, honesty, trust. Respect and trust. If you take out the honesty, uh, maybe, maybe you know, maybe they won't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> Look, the thing, the key is, let me make it a little bit more easier. Your your relationship will still last. You'll have a successful <laughs> relationship. Honesty is a honesty is the only one, man. I can't I can't see not having respect and trust. You, okay. you know, because if you don't have respect or trust, that'll drive you crazy. Yeah. Well, listen, you know I got I mean? I'm gonna be I'll be honest with you. I get a different answer every show. Every show there's a different answer. Some people have uh -huh. taken respect out. Some people have taken trust out. Some people have taken honesty. But I'll give you, I'll, I'll even go a little further. The majority of the time, it's always either honesty or trust that's taken out. 
respect. A lot of people always keep that respect, respect level. Respect, yeah. Because again, if they say, if you respect me, you're going to be honest with me or you're going right. to, you're going to trust me. So since you said honesty, it's cool, but no, this is that. I love that question, man. Cause it always, uh, it makes people think a little bit. Yeah. It, it, a, a, a brain twister. <laughs> yeah, there it is. It works that way. All right. Let's jump to another one, man. Um, <clears throat> if you're walking down the street and you kick a bottle and a whole bunch of smoke and dust comes out and a genie pops out, a female genie pops out, Let's say J-Lo. She is your romantic genie for this show. Yes. But she's a low-budget J-Lo. She only has one wish to give you, and it has to be in love involved, relationship love. What is your wish? What is your one wish? Wait a minute. Does my love have to be with my genie? No, this is your wish. It could be whoever, whatever, whomever. But it has to However, be. Love has, has to be, to be involved. Love has to be involved. Relationship love, yes. Uh, that the love that me and my wife have will last forever. That's a, that's a very safe one. That's a good answer. <laughs> when we ain't on the camera, I'll ask you that question again. <laughs> very good answer, my brother. And look how you look right in the camera and said, the love of my wife. It will go on forever. That's, That's right. The one that the, the one that we have for each other. Because yes. it can't just be one way. I need her to love me too. Exactly. That's a good one. Yeah, because if you don't love me, then I'm out. Okay. I'll put you on the on the spot again. If you could have dinner with one person outside of your wife, and then you can tell us the reason why. Anybody in the world could be past, present, somebody in the future. Who would you have dinner with? Male or female, or it, has to be yeah, female? Yeah, no, it does it male or female? If I could have dinner with anybody, uh, you know who I want? I would have dinner with. I'm waiting. I'm ready. Oprah. Okay. Oprah. You know why? Why? Oprah has met and, and interviewed so many people that the conversation would probably just be crazy. It would be crazy. Like any any anything that you probably want to ask about another individual or something that you would, would ask about or from an individual, Oprah would probably know. Oprah probably she she I'm sure she's interviewed, if I don't remember correctly, she's interviewed Barack Obama. She's interviewed Michelle. She's interviewed Denzel, Eddie. Michael. I yep. mean, Michael, you name it. Oprah's interviewed him. Yeah. You know what I mean? She she's had conversations with uh Maya Angelou. Yes. Um uh just so many uh people that that were still alive um, you know, during her time. The only one, the only other two people that I would say other than Oprah, if I had to add. I would like to I would like to have had a conversation with Malcolm X mm -hmm. and, and Martin Luther King. Okay. Cool. 
Cool. No, that's why I asked that question because it's, it's I'm very curious to for people to who they would choose, who they would pick, and then their reasons why. Uh, a lot of it's like knowledgeable. Some people have crushes, but some people want to know what this person was like or who this person was like. Good choice. Good choice. All right, man. Here we go. This is pretty much the last segment of this this love zone thing. We're gonna let you off the hook and let you out of here. This is called this is called favorites. I'm just gonna call out a couple a few things, and you're just gonna tell me your favorite, straightforward. Okay, and this is why I stopped you before with the with the thing you were talking about because the very first one is favorite food. What is your favorite food? Yeah, man, you give me a uh, a nice juicy piece of crispy on the outside, juicy on the inside, fried chicken. That's why I stopped you because I knew chicken was I knew chicken was coming when you started talking about it a few minutes oh, ago. Oh, man, we have a love affair with that chicken, man. I don't know what it is. I'm Got like, you. oh, my God. Okay. All right. Favorite song all time. Favorite song. Oh, man. There's so many dope songs. I know, brother. What's your favorite one, though? But you know what's dope, man? Uh, one of the uh, this is one that everybody loves, especially around this time of season. I always love my mama. Mm. Okay, I always love my mama. I always love my mama. She's my favorite girl. Okay, you can only oh, sing like five seconds of that for that's it. Okay, copyright. yeah, because yeah. then copyright. we get canceled. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> And I can't sing either. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that though. I'll take that. That's what it's like. That. Okay. Favorite uh, all-time uh, movie. Oh man! Favorite all-time movie. Favorite all-time movie. Oh uh, wow! You know what? It's going. It's, it's it shocked a lot of people, man. Uh, a few good men. Okay. You okay. can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. Favorite line from that. Okay. Uh, favorite book you've ever read. Oh man. Uh, this was so. And I remember this from way back in the day, man. Uh, uh I read it in in school, and it, it was dope. And then there was none by Agatha Christie. Okay. All right. Favorite TV show all time? Cosby show. Hands down. Hands down Cosby show. No, 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 no if, as, buts about it. Best, and I'm a TV dude, you right. know, be, best, best TV show ever made to me, man, was the Cosby show. Dope. All right. Black, black uh, doctor, you know what I mean? Wife was an attorney. Kids. Dope, man. Just all right. dope. All right, and this one will not get you off out of here and out of here. Favorite time of day for love making? Oh, that's any time. I, I just, I just <laughs> <laughs> tell you the truth. Yeah, please. <laughs> Sometime uh, about about one o'clock in the afternoon, man. Okay, one o'clock in the afternoon. Because listen, Sean. When you get to my age, oh Lord, love making is when you the best time. Love making is when you got the most energy. Any time, right? 
And I think I believe I'm your, around your age, so I understand, brother. It can, it can vary during the time of the day. You know what I mean? Usually about one o'clock afternoon, I got a whole bunch of energy. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? Believe you you slap all night. You <laughs> you done did whatever you need to do, and about one o'clock in the afternoon is when that energy kicks in, man. You like, yeah, I can do whatever I need to do at one o'clock. All right, cool. All right, with that answer, fake comedian, fake, you are off and out of the love zone. Please say, please say, abracadabra. Abracadabra. Boom. We are back. Oh, look at that. Stars. <laughs> hey, man. Listen, I love you, brother. Thank you so much I for love you too, my man. hanging out with me. Um, we, this has been a great time and continued blessings and safety to your family. And uh, in the future, whatever you will see each other out there in the, in the war zone again, I'm sure. No doubt, man. Uh, and definitely, uh, I, I appreciate you having me on and make sure that you know you and your family stay safe during this uh season of COVID, man. You we'll know do. what I mean? We'll do. All right. I want to say thank you to everybody that's out there because you guys know when we do this, we're streaming live on the internet as well. So thank you, everybody that tuned in and thank you for sharing. And again, thank you for out there for watching uh, After Dark with Sean Cornelius. So as I always say in parting, please go with God in your heart. Have a peace of mind. Have a wonderful, wonderful tomorrow. And I'll, please stay safe. We know something's going on out there. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. Six feet distancing. Keep yourselves together, all right? So from Lula May and Cornelius, says baby boy. I'm Sean Cornelius. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll catch you in the next episode of After Dark with Sean Cornelius. See you around the corner. Fig, love you, man. Take care of yourself. Peace.